The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Glad you're here this morning. I'm Pastor Chris. If you weren't here earlier, uh, great to have you with us today. Hey, how about our new lights this morning? You like that? Woo! Pretty cool, pretty cool. Hey, um, on your way in, you got a bulletin. In that bulletin is all those things that Ryan referenced, uh, but also in your bulletin day is uh, a large postcard. It's, this is not meant for you to invite you to come. To, we're, you're here today. We're hoping you're coming Easter Sunday, uh, but we want you to take this uh, and uh, give it to friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, uh, invite people to come. We have some extra ones back there on the back table. Now, there are mugs back there. So we, we have, as Ryan said, we have a, you know, a coastal mug for, you know, one per person. We're not meant to, like, your whole dining set of mugs, you know, at your house. We can't do that. Um, but, because uh, eventually those are for guests. So we, we figured if we didn't give them to our people first, you would bombard, you know, you, we wouldn't be able to get them, get them to our guests. So anyway, but let me just say this, and I said it to our volunteers this morning, I'm going to say it again. Keep your grubby paws off of those mugs unless... You plan on inviting someone to come to Easter. Like, like in other words, it, you know, take this and give it to somebody. Now, also back there, uh, next to the mugs, uh, we have uh, some posters. And uh, so there's, you know, about 100 or so of those. Um, you know, maybe you uh, own a business or you frequent a business, has like a window and they don't mind people putting up posters or uh, you live in a neighborhood or a, or a community where there's like a, a gathering, you know, for mail or something like that or a laundromat near you or, you know, stores or anything. Uh, anybody that would allow us to just kind of blanket uh, West Ashley, Charleston uh, and put up a poster, but you be responsible for it, tape it up, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, we also have uh, yard signs. And so we got about, you know, I think there's about a hundred of those back there too. And so we need people to uh, take a yard sign with you. Now, if you live at the end of a cul-de-sac and uh, nobody comes to your house except for the mailman, okay? No one ever sees it, anything like that. Like you can take a yard sign, but put it somewhere else. In fact, you know, some of you are really good about strategically placing yard signs, you know, not on a busy highway, but, uh, you know, like at a stop sign, uh, at a stoplight, uh, at a, you know, supermarket, at a Walmart, you know, places where people frequent. And, but now you need to take responsibility for your sign. In other words, like after Easter, you need to make sure you go back and you take it. Take it. And we would love, you can throw away this after Easter, uh, but you can uh, keep the little stand and we'll we re- recycle those. Now, if you live in a neighborhood and you have neighborhood Nazis and you're not allowed to, you know, put up signs or something like that, if you can, you know, be creative or whatnot, you know, ask, uh, what's the old saying? Ask forgiveness, not permission. I don't know, whatever, but, you know, anyway, we'd love for you to take, uh, take some of this stuff with you this morning and uh, put it around Charleston. We'd love to see that. And maybe even uh, take a picture of it, put it on Instagram, Facebook, uh, you know, where your sign is or something like that. Tag some people and uh, we help us out. Help us to advertise and uh, get the word out uh, for Easter Sunday. But now is the time. Now is the time to do that. It's April 2nd, of course, and uh, we've got two weeks till Easter. We do have the three services. We are trying to lure you to come to the early service, if at all possible. Now, 
the mantra around Coastal is you come to the service that you have friends coming to. You know, if you've gotten some friends, family, neighbor, coworker coming, and they can only come to the second, or they can only come, you know, to the uh, third service, 1115, then you come wherever they come. But if it doesn't matter to you, or if they'll come early, and it's not really sunrise at 8 o'clock. I know for some of you, that seems like sunrise. Actually, for the 1115 crowd, sunrise, is, I'm sure, is at 8 o'clock. But um, we're going to be serving shrimp and grits uh, from 7 to 8 to lure you and your friends to that service. We've got to make room uh, in this service, typically. So uh, anyway, we're in, uh, we're in week four of this series on joy. Let me ask you a question. Um, if you could change one thing in your life, one thing, what would you change? You don't have to shout it out or anything like that, but just think about that this morning. You know, we talk a lot about uh, life change here at Coastal. In fact, I think it's normal and it's great that uh, people say all the time around here, man, God changed my life. And uh, I, I think that's why there's so much joy in this place, is because we're at a church where lives are being changed, and that's exciting, and that's, that's joyful. Uh, but how does he do that? You know, how does, God, how does God change us? I mean, you know, does he zap you? Do we pass out pills, you know, at the end of the service, and you pop a pill and you're changed? Is it, is it all you? You know, is it all God? Is, is there a combination? Well, Paul deals with this issue of change. Uh, here in this letter of Philippians that we're kind of going through as we talk about joy. And and the fact is, listen, when it comes to God changing you, God has a part to play, and you have a part as well. In fact, Paul uses two phrases to explain this this kind of mutual cooperation. Uh, In in chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, look at it with me. I read it this morning. I want to read it again. Continue to work out Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Now, I do want you to notice, obviously, I want you to pay attention to two phrases there. The phrase work in and and work out. Work out is your part. That's what we do. Work in is God's part. We are to work out what God is working in. So we're going to get our workout on this morning and uh, talk about life change. Now, I want you to notice several different things, though, about how God changes us according to this passage. In the first place, it does not say, this is important, it doesn't say work for your salvation. Uh, It says work out. In other words, you don't earn it. You don't don't, try to be good enough to uh, win God's approval. Paul, the people that Paul is writing to here, they're they're already believers. This is written to the church Uh, at Philippi, he's saying basically, hey, develop what you already have. Work out the implications. If you're born again, man, start growing. Work it out. Now, what do you do in a physical workout? And some of you are saying, Pastor Chris, I have absolutely no idea. You know, what do you do in a workout? Well, I've learned a little bit this past year, not a lot. Let, Let me tell you one thing that I've learned. You work out not to get a body, but really you're developing the body that you already have, okay? And it's like, Pastor Chris, I don't want my body. I want somebody else's body. That's not a workout. You're developing the body that you already have. For example, you know, when you work out a puzzle, uh, you already have all the pieces. You're just what? You're just putting it all together. And in a way, that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, okay, work it out. You know, again, not work for but work out the implications of it in your life. Now, he says, work out your salvation. 
This is an individual assignment, okay? He, he's saying, you and I have got to accept personal responsibility for our own growth, okay? Your own growth, your salvation, not somebody else's. You know, you work out the implications of it in your life. You, did you know that God doesn't want cookie-cutter Christians? You know, he, he doesn't want a bunch of, you know, he wants you to copy somebody else and what's going on in their life. Work it out in your life. God doesn't want you to be me. Man, that would be messed up if we were a bunch of Chris Rollins running around the world. That'd be terrible. He wants you to be you. And then he says, with fear and trembling. Now, what does that mean? I mean, is he saying that we've got to be afraid of God? No. He, he's saying, you know, listen, be aware. Be, be careful that you don't miss out on all that God's got for you. Take this seriously. Nothing is more important than your spiritual growth, than this, this workout. He says, for it is God who works in you. Now, that's God's part. Now, in Greek, the word there for, you know, to work in is energos, from which we get the word energy, energize. In other words, get this, God is the energizer bunny in your life, okay? God is the energizer for change. He says, if, if you'll work out, I will work in. I'll give you the power to do what's right. I'm gonna energize you. H have you ever thought or said something like this? You know, I just, I, I want to change, but I just don't have the power to do it. Uh, you know, I, I even think I know what I should be doing, what I ought to do, but I don't have the power to do it. Ever feel that way? Well, God says, you know what? I love you so much. I'll actually give you the willpower. I'll give you the ability. I'll give you the desire to change. And I'll give you the capability to change. So, you and I do have a part in change. Work out. But God has a part. Work in. And so, for the time that we have left, I wanna, I wanna talk about three tools that God does use in your life, and then the choices that you and I need to make to work out that change. In other words, three, three tools that God uses to work in our life, and three choices that we respond with to work it out, okay? So first of all, let's talk about God's part. Now, obviously, God has anything and everything at his disposal to bring, a, bring about change in people's lives, but there are at least three things that I know he uses, and he wants to use in your life. Number one, he uses his word. He uses the Bible to bring about change, to work in our lives. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, the whole Bible was given to us by inspiration from God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out. It helps us to do what is right. It is God's way, listen to this, it's God's way of making us well prepared at every point. How many of you have ever said or would say, man, God's used the word of God, the Bible, to change my life, to bring about change? Anybody? Anybody could say that? Okay, I hope so. I hope, I hope, I hope all of us could say that. If you're a believer today, you know, uh, that's what God uses, the Bible. The Bible, he uses his word, his love letter written to us. The Bible says it's powerful. And as we read it, as we study it, memorize it, meditate it, it changes us. It changes our thoughts, so it changes us. And so if you want to get serious about change, man, you've got to get into his book. 
And the more you get the word of God into your life, the more you're going to be changed. We'll talk some more about that. Number two, another resource that God definitely uses is his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He puts his spirit in us. This is where that power comes from. Look at Romans 8.11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, listen to this, lives in you. And just as he raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal body by the same spirit living within you. Wow, that's powerful. That's that's where that power comes from. Now, who is the Holy Spirit? He is God himself in spirit form. And when you and I commit our life to God, when we step across the line of faith, when we place our our hands in the hands of God, he comes into our life. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, and as the spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him and reflect his glory even more. It says there, like him. Like who? Like Jesus. Now, don't miss this today. If you don't get anything else, you got to get this. God's number one purpose in our life is not to make us uh, comfortable, uh, not to make us happy, not to give us the American dream. Uh, God's purpose in our life is to make us more and more like Jesus. You know, we are to become, day by day by day, more and more like God sees you at the moment of salvation. He sees Christ in you. And so we're becoming. Now, God's ideal path for that process to take place is to tell us how to change through his word, empower us through his word, give us the power to actually change through his Holy Spirit. That's the ideal way, okay? We read it, we meditate on it, we memorize it, we get his word into our life, we listen to it, and then he empowers us to do it. That's the ideal way. Now, unfortunately, we don't always respond to the ideal way, do we? We don't. And so God has another way that he uses to bring about change in our life. When we don't respond to his word, when we don't respond to his Holy Spirit, number three, he uses circumstances to change us, to get our attention. Problems, uh, pressure, storms of life, difficulty, all of it, suffering, because those things always get our attention. You know, sometimes I think we waste a lot of time and a lot of money trying to figure out um, where our problems are coming from, you know, where our problems are coming from. You know, did, well, did I cause this? Did, you know, somebody else cause this? You know, did my parents, you know, is this their fault or, you know, is it the devil? Are these from God? It's like we're always looking for, you know, who to blame. You know what I've discovered over the years? In a way, I don't know that it always matters where they come from. The fact is, no matter what the source, God still has the ability to use them in our life if we let him. I mean, the source might be my fault. You know, I made a dumb mistake and now I'm I'm paying the consequences. Uh, You could be the innocent victim of somebody else. It might be that Satan's trying to harass you. I don't think it really matters what the source is. Instead of always focusing on the source and who to blame, I think maybe we should be focusing on what good 
could God possibly be able to bring out of this pain, out of these circumstances? You know, what is he trying to teach me? What could I learn? And again, go back to what I said. God's ultimate purpose is to make us more and more like who? Like Jesus. Now, here's the truth, guys. If God is going to make me more and more like Jesus, he's going to take me and allow me to go through some situations that Jesus went through. Yeah, I mean, he says, sure, I want you to learn through the word. I will empower you through the Holy Spirit. But if that doesn't work, that's okay. I'm going to use all circumstances necessary to bring about change in our life. Proverbs 20, 30. I've quoted this a lot around here over the years. Sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our, our ways. How many of you are living proof of that verse right there? Right? I know I am. You see, we rarely change until we get desperate. Um, you know, again, we, we don't change when we see the light. We like to say that. We change when we feel the heat. You know, God lights a fire up underneath you and you get off your blessed assurance and you get moving. You know? I mean, I don't know about you, but you know, I'll put up with all kind of things that I know need to be changed until all of a sudden I get uncomfortable. And God will bring some rain or some storm into my life and he gets my attention. And he says, do something. I want you to change. Now, those are three of the things that God uses. And again, you know, God uses anything and everything, people and worship. And I mean, we could keep going. But those are at least three things that I know he uses, and that's God's part in changing you. He uses his word. He uses the Holy Spirit. And yes, he uses circumstances. Now, go back to the question that I asked at the very beginning. What is it in your life that you would like to change? You see, not only does God have a part, but you have a part as well. You, you've got to make at least three choices that are gonna help you change. Number one, the first choice I can make is I can choose what I'm gonna think about. Now this is such an important concept because growth, Christian growth, any kind of growth, maturity, development, it's not automatic. It doesn't come passively. Change is a matter of choice. I choose, I can choose what I'm gonna think about. Now, imagine for a second that on these uh, big giant screens, um, we could flash up on those screens everything that you have thought about in the last week. Now, if we could do that, well, we'd all be in really big trouble, wouldn't we, probably? And uh, some of you say, Pastor Chris, if you put up on there what I've been thinking just in the last 10 minutes, I would be in trouble. But, um, but we would really know you, wouldn't we? I mean, we would know who you are, who you really are, because, you know, your, your thoughts are your, your life. I mean, that's who you are. We'd know you in depth. We'd know you in detail. And if you want to change, I don't care, I don't care what it is you want to change. Listen to me. It begins right between your ears. It begins right here. In fact, Ephesians, look at these couple of verses about, about that. Ephesians 4, 23 says, instead, 
There must be, there's got to be a spiritual renewal of your what? Your thoughts and your attitudes. Change begins here. It begins with a new way of thinking. Romans 12, 2, classic passage on change. Be transformed. The word there in Greek is metamorphosis. It's be changed by the renewing of your what? Your mind. Do you want to be changed? You start with renewing your mind. You see, listen to this. This is important. The way you think, it determines the way you feel. And the way you feel determines the way you behave, the way you act. Now, the problem is that a lot of people are trying to change their life by only changing their actions. And you can only do that for a, a period of time. They never go back to the, to the root of those actions. And there's not gonna be lasting change without getting to what, what's up here. He says, be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind. You see, the truth is, if you're acting discouraged, it's because you feel discouraged. And you feel discouraged because you're thinking discouraging thoughts. And so the key is to start with the way that you think. And that eventually affects the way that you feel, which affects how you behave, how you act. Now, follow this. God primarily uses three resources in our life to bring about change. What he works in, the Bible, the Holy Spirit, and our circumstances. But you and I have got three choices to make. The first choice is you can choose what you think about. Now, one of the things that we ought to start thinking about is the very first resource, God's word. And I want you to see the parallel. I choose to think about God's word. Jesus said, right, thy word is truth, and the truth will what? It'll set you free. Why? Because you get the truth up here, it's going to manifest itself in how you feel and then in how you behave. So if you want to change, you've got to start filling your mind with the truth of God's word, what he says about you, what he says about reality, what he says about life. Get the truth of his word in, in your life every day. Joshua 1.8, I love this. It says, don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that's written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. So you begin, you start with, Choosing to fill your mind with the word of God. We talk all the time here at Coastal about you know, having a quiet time. That's why we you know, encouraged you over the last 40 days. Uh, you got one week left, by the way, of fasting. One week. But we've encouraged, we encourage our church regularly. Get into God's word. We want you to be a self-feeder. Listen, I'm hoping that the only time that you get fed the word of God is not on Sunday morning you know, for about 30 minutes. That's not enough. You know, you, be, you need to become a self-feeder. And the more you get God's word into your life, the more change that you're going to be able to bring about in your life through his word. Number two, I can choose to depend on God's spirit. Again, see the parallel. Moment by moment, this is where the power comes. Jesus said in John 15, listen to this. Take care to live in me and to let me live in you. For a branch can't produce fruit when severed from the vine, nor can you be fruitful apart from me. I am the vine, 
You are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him shall produce a large crop of fruit. Man, this is a beautiful illustration. What he's saying here is that a branch is totally dependent on the vine. You know, and when it's cut off from the vine, it's not going to bear any fruit. I mean, that's obvious, right? A vine cannot produce fruit in and of itself. It's got to be connected. And he's saying, listen, that's the way it is with you and God. We've got to be plugged in. We've got to, you know, God's provided the power, but it's not automatic. It's when you're plugged in. It's when you're tuned into him that the power comes through you. Fruit. It's an inside job. I mean, how would it look? If I told Janet, um, I wanted some apples. I want us to have apple trees. I want us to, our own crop of apples. And so I go out and I get a dead tree, just, just find a, any old dead tree, dig a hole, stick it in, in the ground, and then I go to the store and I get a bunch of apples and I just tie them on strings to the dead tree. I mean, that would be ridiculous, right? I mean, that would be silly. And yet, and yet, you know, that's exactly what a lot of Christians are trying to do. They just run around trying to tie, you know, some, some good works to their life to make it look like they're making progress when it's something that they've just picked up from the outside rather than letting it flow through their life as they depend on the Holy Spirit. Now, let's get really practical. So that sounds kind of, you know, heady or ethereal. You know, like, well, how, do, what, how does that make sense, Pastor Chris? How do I know you know, if I'm depending on the Holy Spirit and I'm letting him live through me. I'll tell you a really simple way. And again, it goes back to what we said earlier. You check your prayer life. Because whatever you're praying about, that's what you're depending on God for. Whatever you don't pray about, that's not what you're depending on God for. I mean, it really is kind of simple. If I don't pray about it, I'm basically saying, God, I got this one on my own. I don't need you. I, I got it. I can handle it. You know, that's why the Bible, by the way, talks about praying continually. Pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean that you're, you know, 24-7, all you're doing is on your knees praying. No, what he's saying is that you, you, you practice the presence of God. You, you know, throughout your day, you're talking to him all the time like he's your best friend. You talk about everything. You pray about decisions. You pray about relationships. You know, you pray about purchases. You pray about people, needs, hurts, the future, goals, your children, your marriage. You pray for me. You know, that's what it means to depend on the Holy Spirit of God. You're aware that God is constantly with you and, and you're talking to him moment by moment. That is a, it's a choice. That's your part. It's not automatic, it's a choice. Now, the third choice, again, if you want to see change, is I can choose my response to my circumstances. Again, see the parallel between God's resources, what he does to work in your life, and the choices for you and I working it out, our workout. God has the resource of his word. You have the choice to fill your mind with it. God has his Holy Spirit. You choose to depend on him, to talk to him throughout the day. God uses circumstances. You choose how you're gonna respond to him. James 1, 2 and 4, listen to this. Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, 
Okay? It doesn't say if, when. When trouble comes your way. Listen to this. Let it be an opportunity for what? What's the name of the series? For what? Joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So, let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be strong in character and ready for anything. Man, wouldn't you like to be like that? People of character, integrity, ready for anything. He says, all right, what do you do? Let it grow. Let it be an opportunity for joy. You know, the the Christian life is is not a a one-time event. You know, bam, you're a Christian, it's over. You're born again, and just like a a new baby, you've got to grow, you've got to develop. You've got to, you and I, got to work out our salvation that we've been given. Again, not not work for, not earn it, but work it out, develop it, the implications. And the more you use your muscles, the more you're going to develop them. Now, the reality is you and I can choose our response to life. And when you finally come to terms with that, when you finally truly realize that, I'm telling you, man, that's freedom. That you can choose your response to life. You you cannot choose what's going to happen to you. Okay, You can't choose what's going to happen to you this week. You can't choose what's going to happen to you next month or next year. You don't have that choice. That's not what I'm saying. But you can choose how you're going to react, how you're going to respond. You know, is this going to make you or break you? Is this going to make you bitter or better? Is it going to be a stepping stone to maturity or a stumbling block to failure? What I'm saying is, What really matters in life is not what happens to you. It's what happens in you. And that's a choice. I mean, you can see people put in the exact same uh, terrible circumstance. One will come out a winner and the other, other one will come out a whiner. It's your response. Romans 5, 3 and 4, listen to this. We can, and there's the word again, listen to it. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. For we know they're good for us. They help, to make, they help us learn to endure. There it is again. And that endurance develops strength of character in us. And character strengthens our confident expectation of salvation, our hope. You know, the word character there means that, it it means something that has been proven reliable, trustworthy. It stood the test of time. And the point I want you to see today is that the way that God typically produces the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, okay? Love, joy, Peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of that. A lot of times God will try to produce those things in your life by putting you in the exact opposite situation. You want to learn love? God's going to surround you with some unlovely people. It's easy to love the lovely, right? 
You know, you want to learn real joy? God will allow some tragedy in your life. You want to learn peace? Peace is learned in chaos. Patience? God will put you in some lines, long lines at Walmart. (laughs) He'll send you to the doctor's office when you don't have much time. How about this? He'll allow you to have children. God allows us in those exact opposite situations in order to help us grow. Now, back to the question I started with. What do you want to change in your life? Do you need more patience? More self-control? Like to be a more positive person? Like to get healthy? Like to have better relationships? Like to be more considerate of your spouse, have a better marriage. It comes from God's power and your choices. You know, it's like when Jesus came to the man who'd been crippled like 28 years and he said, rise up and walk. And you know what? He got up and he walked. Why? Because what God tells you to do, he gives you the power to do it but you gotta cooperate. It's the law of life. Whatever you want to change, it takes cooperation with God. He will work in if you'll work it out. And God, this is such great news, God has promised to give you both the desire, the willpower, and the ability to make those changes. He'll do it through his word. He'll do it through his Holy Spirit. He'll do it through circumstances. Now, How are you going to respond? What will you think about? What will you pray about? What will you do? How will you respond? You know, this morning, you know, God can't do a work through you until he first lives in you. And maybe you're here today and you're ready for a change. Listen, the greatest change The greatest change. You know, we sang a song earlier today that that he is the king, the Lord forever. Listen, he's not your king until you make him your king. Now, one day, every single person in this room, every single one, the Bible says that Jesus, in fact, is going to return and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is the Lord. He is the Lord forever. And on that day, I'm telling you, you're either going to do it in worship and adoration and joy or you are gonna do it in fear and in regret. But we're all gonna bow. We're all going to name him as our savior and our Lord one day. But that day becomes either awesome or the greatest day in regret based on what you do here and now. You want change in your life? It begins with the greatest change of all, forgiveness and hope and new life, a new birth, you know, you, it's not something that you can do. You can't just work it, you know, into yourself. You just can't become a better person. Well, I'll just stop doing bad things. And I'll do more good things. Listen, God doesn't grade on a curve. It's pass, fail. You're either perfect or you're not. And nobody in this room bats a thousand. Nobody does. And if you're ready to come home, if you're ready to come to him, you can come now. The Bible says you come in faith. 
The Bible says you come in humility. You come just admitting, I have blown it. I am a sinner, and I need God in my life. And listen, if you'll just take that one step in faith toward him, he will run to you, and he will make up the difference. He will wrap his arms around you. He will forgive you. He'll love you. He'll accept you just the way you are. He'll put his Holy Spirit in you, and he will then look at you, and he will see Jesus, and he will say, perfect, beautiful. And then our job for the rest of the, however long he gives us here on this planet, is just to thank him and to love him and to become more and more like he already sees us. Beautiful, perfect, brand new. It's to work out what he's already worked in. You can have that today if you'll come home by faith. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.